0: A roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business.
1: Hello and welcome to this edition of Global Business on CGTN. I'm Guan Xing in Beijing. Coming up on the program. Fresh impetus. Chinese officials on Tuesdays rest on building of a unified national market to inject vitality into China's economy. Trade outlook. Experts review progress made by China in promoting Engage the country's foreign trade prospects in 2024 Costs of war The conflict in Ukraine has weakened economies across the European Union With Germany being more affected than others Accelerating the building of a unified national market Has assisted in reducing transaction costs Boosting demand and consolidating economic recovery in China And that's a key message From China's National Development and Reform Commission and other relevant ministries at a press conference on Tuesday morning. The NDRC said the government has made efforts to end local protectionism and unify a fragmented market. The administration, who collected more than 1,100 issues hindering the construction of a unified national market, said they have corrected over 90 percent of the concerns. Official study economic data showed the market environment and business operations are improving.
2: Overall, accelerating the building of a unified national market has played a positive role in smoothing domestic circulation, stimulating market vitality, reducing transaction costs, releasing domestic demand potential and consolidating the foundation for economic recovery.
1: And now for more on the creation of Unified National Market, let's bring in Quchang, Research Fellow of Beijing Foreign Studies University. Well, thank you for joining us, Mr. Chu. So based on this morning's press conference, could you provide an overview of the progress made by uh, in establishing the Unified National Market and what specific achievements can you share with us at this stage?
2: Well, I think uh, uh, from this morning conference, I think we have got the two major, um, you know, conclusions about progress was made for the unified market. But just uh, let me remind uh, everyone about how America first started their domestic unified market back in the 19th century. What they do in the beginning is two cornerstone. Number one is the integrated and the unified legal systems across all the federal states. And second, it's the unified standards among all the transportations and energy use, which is the e infrastructures. I think China also, uh, you know, adopted similar uh, methodologies. For example, here China, first of all, try to uh, break down, tear down the wars and barriers um, and the protectionism, and try to unify all the uh, legal uh, rule of law systems. while well, from the central government level yes china is a very highly integrated country for sure but also if you filter down into some detailed you know commercial uh regulations and the details each provinces and each city even into each counties they will have their own regulations and tax you know uh you know details and etc as a uh, you know a nationwide you know and a commercial players what you want least is to deal with all this kind of different red tapes and a lower your speed and add into an you know, extra cost so i think uh, from the top uh, leadership from the central government and the commercial authority what they try to do is that to you know standardize all these sort of laws and the uh, regulations on the taxations on the social credits, on the uh, all kinds of metric systems so that everybody can be on the same page the second thing is the transportation and the logistics systems we try to integrate the whole uh, you know transportation and delivery systems among the whole nation for example if you imported a certain kind of the shipment from the port in shanghai and deliver it to the xizhang region we make sure that every railway, every harbour, every highway will have the same system. Just imagine you were going to turn China's whole uh, China's whole delivery system and transportation into a, like just a one company, like this, one FedEx, one Shunpun company. So this is a phenomenon. This can be, you know, greatly, uh, you know, make the room more transparent. to give everybody a very clear understanding about market entry. They will allow everybody to understand what the laws and tax agents in here so everybody will be on the same page. I think this is actually a very good news, not only for the Chinese players, it's going to be more a good news for the foreign players. If you're a foreign company, if you want to invest in China, like you invested in the U.S. and the European Union, I think these integrated nationwide uh, you know, big market will be actually a very good
3: news
1: they were saying a great potential and how can the establishment of a unified national market help with the implementation of China's dual circulation strategy
2: well i think dual circulation strategy is a proven path like we just mentioned that back in the 19th century and 20th century america used to achieve that kind of you know achievement you know it proved that you know by building this dual circulation and unified the domestic market you know a country big like in china like in the us it can actually improve the domestic players' quality. It can actually improve uh, the uh, people's livelihood and the income levels to so make this, uh, you know, domestic market not only a production center but also a consumption center. So uh, by you know in, uh, making more progress, like I just mentioned, on the transparency, market entry, taxation standard, social credit, and the infrastructures. I think more of the players can actually, you know, involved walk in Chinese growth. You can, you know, invest in your company and get in in Chinese uh, market growth. So, you know, local, um, uh, local uh, you know, workers, they can have a higher salary, local consumers can enjoy a lower cost on the uh, spending, and also your company can earn more of the money. So it's good for the domestic consumption, and also it's good for the international trade and the international, you know, services and the products. So I think this is going to be uh, combining both the domestic and the foreign market together.
1: Mm. In the current global economic landscape, what role will the unified national market play in stabilizing domestic economic growth?
2: Well, we have to understand currently, I think there is a half wind in the globalization and global trade, which is protectionism is untied. And Mm. I think uh, the whole global geopolitical is on the splitting. And the many, you know, uh, trade deals and a bilateral agreement is try to split the, you know, what we achieved in the globalization. So China has saw this trend and try to reverse the trend. For example, China initiated like the RCEP and internationally and also domestically. China want to, you know, highly integrate, highly integrate the whole domestic market and make it into a bigger, more transparent, more standardized market. for not only Chinese player and also for the international players. So that's the reason why we try to promote the fair play act inside of the China and try to promote other standardization you know regulations in the infrastructures so by that means china itself can be a good uh, can be another good investment you know destinations uh, uh, you know aside from the united states north america and the european union so i think what we need more is the more of the unified transparent you know market like china like european union and etc so that the whole world can back on type on back on track on the uh, uh, globalization back on track on the integrated the production and the globalization.
1: Well, Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate your insights. And that was Chi Chiang, Research Fellow of Beijing Foreign Studies University for us. Well, Guangzhou, Baiyun railway station, a key infrastructure in the Greater Bay Area, has reopened after undergoing a major upgrade. The revamp was to increase the capacity of Guangzhou's railway services and help boost the social and economic growth in the region. And for more, our reporter Cao Chufeng joins us now from the station.
4: At the station right now, um, the seven-floor station building features 21 passenger platforms, 21 arrival and departure lines. Now, actually, the station now is more than just a railway station. It's a comprehensive transportation hub bus stations, tourist bus terminals, subway lines are all at its doorstep. It is designed in such a way that after passengers disembark intra-city public transport, they can walk no longer than two minutes into this station. As China aims to have more uh, this kind of comprehensive uh, transportation hub a buying station is seen as setting a good example for falling projects just last weekend over 200,000 people passed through the Hong Kong Zhuhai Macau bridge and that's setting another weekend record for this year and among them 18,000 single licensed Hong Kong and Macau vehicles passed through the bridge and entered Chinese mainland now the bridge is another key transportation project in the Greater Bay Area. And China is now encouraging more people to use this bridge, including opening group tours on the trial base. And now we're heading for a short break, still to come on the program.
1: Experts review progress made by China in promoting high-level opening up and gauge the country's foreign trade prospects in 2022.
0: The world economy, as we know it, is about to change. Global Business Reports highlight emerging markets, developing countries, and dynamic sectors worldwide. We feature top analysts and newsmakers to provide perspectives on every facet of business. From an on-the-ground perspective, we provide you with balanced and objective assessments. Fast, sharp, and insightful. Global Business. Only on CGTN.
1: Well, China has granted six least developed African countries zero tariff treatment starting from December 25th. And 98% of taxable products from Angola, the Gambia, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and Madagascar, Mali, and Mauritania are now exempt from tariff when entering China. This increases the number of African countries receiving zero tariff treatment to 27 by the end of this year. And China also plans to expand its zero-tariff treatment to other least developed nations that have diplomatic relations with the country. And to find out how the new tariff measures will benefit African export businesses, let's cross over to our reporter Robert Najila in Nairobi. Hi there, Robert. Tell us more about this move.
5: Absolutely. Well, what the exemption of taxable products from the six African countries from paying tariffs while accessing the Chinese market does for local businesses in those six countries is that, number one, it allows these businesses to increase their margins. It also allows them to be more competitive in pricing on the international stage, but fundamentally also allows these companies, these local companies, to plough in more money into their businesses for a variety of reasons. It could be too expand the business for example it could also be to create uh, more efficient systems to allow them to be more competitive on the international stage it could also be to develop value addition where there's a huge gap in terms of value addition on the continent and it could also be to hire new employees creating employment for example however we're also alive to the fact that there are challenges uh, that may need their governments to step in. For example, the cost of doing business in some of these countries is just too high, and this limits their competitive edge on the international market. So that is something that uh, their governments could look at. Uh, another uh, challenge is weak currencies. Post COVID, a lot of these countries have very weak countries which uh, make them lose, uh, make these companies losing their competitive edge on the international stage so those are just some of the things that uh, they could look at and then of course um, there is also another issue with raising capital a lot of these companies have uh, a challenge when it comes to raising capital uh, that they want to either improve their businesses or expand their businesses so these are just some of the things but overall China has done its bit by encouraging uh, more business, encouraging these businesses to access Chinese markets so that they can be more competitive on the international stage. So it's up to these companies now to develop their systems uh, with some help from their governments.
1: Thank you very much for all that information. Our Robert life for us in Nairobi. Well, China has been set first in pursuing high quality opening up in 2023. The substantial progress in the development of free trade zones underscores its commitment to expanding its opening up initiatives During the first three quarters of this year the trade volume within China's 21 pilot free trade zones exceeded 5.7 trillion yuan, or about 800 billion dollars That is an increase of 4.6% compared to the previous year In June, the State Council issued a document encouraging the pilot FTZs in Shanghai Guangdong, Tianjin, Fujian, and Beijing to align with international rules. Meanwhile, China has hosted various high-level expos to attract global businesses. Prominent forums like the CIE and SIFTIS have resumed offline events. During the initial 11 months, China saw the establishment of over 48,000 new foreign-invested enterprises, indicating a notable year-on-year growth of 36.2%. China's foreign trade maintained strong growth momentum during the first 11 months of this year Official data show the country's foreign trade came in at nearly 38 trillion yuan or over 5 trillion U.S. dollars from January to November consistent with the same period last year Meanwhile, exports rose to 21.6 trillion yuan, and imports stood at 16 trillion yuan. The trade surplus expanded 2.8% on a yearly basis to 5 trillion yuan. Notably, over 12 trillion of mechanical and electrical products were exported during the 11-month period Officials from General Administration of Customs said they continue to observe favorable developments and more stabilize the groundwork of China's foreign trade And for more on China's economy and foreign trade sector, let's bring in Liu Baocheng, Dean of the Center for International Business Ethics of University of International Business and Economics. Thank you for joining us, Professor Liu. Well, it has been reported that the yuan has surpassed the euro to become the world's second most used trade financing currency. What are the key expectations for RMB internationalization in
3: 2024? Well, the... uh Pace of internationalization has been uh, very stable for the Chinese yuan. Uh, one reason b- is because of the heavyweight uh, exports to the whole world, and also the Chinese uh, uh, foreign investment, and particularly the outbound investment is uh, uh, growing rapidly. And now we have also entered the a lot of uh, swapping agreement with many other cur- uh, currencies. So uh, and I-, I think one. Uh, very practical reason is that uh, uh, Chinese banks have already built a global presence by uh, setting more of the uh, subsidiaries and branches around the world. So uh, therefore, it's really there to uh, help to push forward the internationalization. So look at the uh, next year, uh, we can see that there's going to be a steady growth of uh, the uh, Chinese uh, RMB uh, both as a uh, currency for settlement and also for a reserve, uh, because the distrust over the uh, U.S. dollar has been on the rise, given the uh, geographical, uh, geopolitical confrontation and also the more weaponization of the SWIFT system uh, by the U.S. So uh, also because Chinese uh, uh, SIP system, the cross-border. Uh, interbank payment system is uh, 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 gaining more momentum and more of uh, the partner countries are uh, looking at RMB as a stable currency uh, to use and to, uh, to calculate the value of international trade. So, uh, we, we do see that there's going to be a steady progress for the Chinese uh, Yuan for internationalization.
1: And Professor Liu, how would you characterize China's foreign trade performance this year? And what were the highlights in 2023 and what opportunities lie ahead
3: this year's performance is not really as uh, optimistic as uh, uh, we have anticipated uh, at the beginning of the year, because we do expect that uh, there's going to be a strong surge for the Chinese export. Uh, However, uh, given the backdrop of uh, lackluster performance on global basis, because WTO uh, recent report shows the world trade uh, only can uh, grow by one percent, so it is not really uh, as bad as the uh, many other uh, really worry. Uh, we we can also see that uh, the Chinese export structure is also uh, getting improved, uh, given that uh, more of the Chinese cars, more of the uh, high-tech machine tools and uh, telecom equipments are uh, really taking the mainstay of the Chinese export uh, portfolio and uh, in the meantime we can also see that as uh, the Chinese import is uh, really stepping up and uh, particularly when we look at the uh, the recent the policy by further exempting or reducing the import tariffs uh, on those uh, you know the healthcare products, and also uh, to give more of the uh, preferential treatment to uh, more of the Belt and Road countries, and uh, also that uh, when China is, uh, uh, you know, uh, giving more of the uh, the preferential treatment to more of those countries, and uh, we attract more of the foreign investment into China, so the private sector and also the foreign uh, uh, investment can really uh, play a more important role in shoring up the Chinese export and import momentum.
1: Hmm. And talking about the optimization of China's trade structure, what's behind China's industrial chain upgrading and what are the key factors driving this momentum?
3: I think one is because the Chinese uh, government has a very steady and, uh, uh, well, uh, demanding policy for uh, the uh, both industrial parks and the leading companies to uh, go for high-quality development by upgrading their uh, industrial structure, and the second is that uh, the global competition is also there to demand the Chinese companies to uh, gradually phase out their labor-intensive industries and shift more onto high-tech and knowledge-intensive industries. So the uh, third one is uh, the uh, technological advancement that is really lying ahead for global competition. So it provides a better access to the uh, industrialization by introducing more of the uh, digital technology. And so all of this really are the three major drivers for China to upgrade its uh, uh, industrial structure, and also the uh, Chinese, uh, the industrial parks are also playing a very important role in boosting uh, uh, more of the inhabitant companies to move forward and upgrade its industrial mights.
1: Well, thank you very much for your time, and Professor Liu, we appreciate your insights. And that was Liu Baojun, Dean of the Center for International Business Ethics of UIBE for us. And now we're heading for another short break. Still to come on the program. The conflict in Ukraine has weakened economies across the European Union, with Germany being more affected than others.
0: 360-degree profiles of industry movers and shakers, tech mavericks and policymakers. We drill down on their success. We ask how they set strategy and how they navigate in an increasingly competitive market. Real talk, real business. Join the conversation. BizTalk, only on CGTN. Whether it's about your education, the home you live in, or the items you bought, your money has a story to tell, because every business story is a human story. Global Business.
1: At a Supreme Eurasian Economic Council meeting, the Eurasian Economic Union and Iran finalized the comprehensive free trade agreement. Established in 2015, the union includes Russia Kazakhstan, Belarus, Kyrgyzstan, and Armenia, all key partners of the Belt and Road Initiative. The primary aim of the agreement is to promote liberalization and ease of trade in goods among the participating nations by reducing or removing customs, duties, tariffs, and non-tariff barriers. It is anticipated that the trade volume will reach between 18 billion and 20 billion U.S. dollars annually. As 2023 comes to an end, one thing that has not is the conflict in Ukraine and its negative impact on economies around the world. From Germany, Natalie Carney reports on how the nearly two-year-long conflict has affected the European Union's largest economy.
6: It's no secret that the conflict in Ukraine has weakened economies across the European Union. In many ways, Germany has been affected more than others. In 2022, the first year of the conflict, Germany's GDP shrank by around 1.8% compared to 2021. And this year, it is expected to shrink by 0.3% as high inflation and rising interest rates take their toll on the economy.
5: There is a massive cost for Germany for a number of reasons. High dependence on uh, gas, oil and coal from Russia. The impact on energy costs, slowing demand uh, in Europe, um, lower exports for Germany, then of course,
6: confidence, companies investing less consumers consuming less because of very high inflation. Energy prices increased dramatically in 2022 as the country quickly diverted imports away from Russia to other more expensive suppliers, while inflation hit nearly 8%. But federal subsidies of around 44 billion U.S. dollars have since helped bring those numbers down. In addition, Berlin has initiated a 110 billion U.S. dollar defense budget to help beef up a historically underfunded army while also helping fund Ukraine's own defense. A giant ukrainian flag was hoisted here in front of munich's palace of justice just in the early days of the conflict as a symbol of germany's support for justice in ukraine germany's support extends far beyond just that berlin is the second largest financial contributor to ukraine's defense after the u.s earlier this month germany's coalition government resolved a budget crisis that maintained the allowance to increase support for ukraine next year Since the start of the conflict, Germany has spent nearly 8.5 billion U.S. dollars on military assistance to Ukraine and has budgeted for a further 11.5 billion in the coming years. Should more be needed, Chancellor Olaf Scholz has said the government would seek an exemption from borrowing limits.
5: If the situation worsens, for example, because the situation on the front deteriorates, because other supporters reduce their aid to Ukraine, because the threat to Germany and Europe continues to increase, then we will have to react.
6: Millions has also been spent to support Ukrainian refugees in Germany.
5: So there are about 1.2 million Ukrainian refugees in Germany today. Um, more are likely to come, Um, and um, also that has seen a spending of close to 10 billion euros on uh, living expenses, on housing, on um, language courses, helping them to integrate.
6: While these economic measures have not stopped the German economy from falling into recession, they are, arguably, saving it from a deeper one and keeping Germany safe. Natalie Carney for CGTN in Munich.
1: And that will do for this edition of Global Business on CGTN. I'm Guangxing in Beijing. Thanks for being with us.